Thank you for your word. It is anointed. We can do nothing without it. We thank you for it. I pray that you would anoint each and every one of us, our ears to hear, our eyes to see, our heart to understand and willingly obey your voice. In the name of Jesus, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We, let's dive in. Book of Revelation. Last week, we taught about the importance of studying the Word of God. Uh, If you were here, you remember that or saw it online or went back and listened on the podcast. Uh, We referenced uh, 2 Timothy where Paul wrote and said, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And we went through several places in Scripture and talked about how each and every one of us has a responsibility to study the Word of God. Every one of us in the room. We all have a responsibility to study the Word of God. And everybody said, Amen. It's true whether you believe it or not. We absolutely have a responsibility to study the Word of God. And so, if I plan to spend eternity with the author, why would I not want to study his book? Amen? If I'm going to spend eternity with him, why not get to know him now? Amen? You understand that when he, in the scripture, said, Enter in, thou good and faithful servant. It was also, there was a place in scripture where he said, Depart from me, I never knew you. I never knew you. And so, now they did all kinds of stuff in his name. They healed the sick. They did many wonderful miracles. But Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. You that work iniquity or live after your own will. He was concerned with them living after his will, not just doing stuff. And so, knowing him, I believe we all have a desire to know him. That's why we come to the house of God, to worship Him, but also to know Him more. That's why we fellowship one with another. If we're truly going to know Him, one of the greatest ways we'll ever come to know Him is the study of His Word. All right? And so, this may be a little different tonight, but I've had a lot of questions about, man, I don't even know how to start. I want to study the Word of God, but where do I start? How do I start? Um, And sometimes that can become a roadblock that feels like it's a barrier for me and I don't know how. And I'm going to tell you, you do know how. Okay? And so we're going to walk through a little bit tonight more of a, okay, let's read. Let's pause. Let's make a note on your notepad or on in your Bible, however you do it. And so I'm going to walk through that a little bit tonight. So it'll be a little different than me just reading and then exhorting on a verse. Does that make sense? Because I want us to get some, 
I, I believe the Lord's going to talk to us through his word. But at the same time, maybe we can glean some things that will help us get some ideas of how, do, how would I study. And each of us will develop our own method of studying the Bible. Okay, but we need to rightly divide the word. That means however we study, we need to make sure we're not making it say something it doesn't say. So we rightly divide the word. Amen? All right. So let's dive in. The book of Revelation, chapter 1. Verse 1. And I played with the computer before church, so if it's not working, it's my fault. Oh, it is. Okay. I just didn't turn the screen on back there. All right. So, here's one of the biggest mistakes we make studying the Word of God. We read too fast. And so, how many of you, honestly among us, how many of us have ever read a chapter in the Bible, and then we went on and we're like, and you tried to recall what you just read, and you can't remember anything you just read? Isn't that a wonderful feeling? <laughs> right, I'm kidding, right? No, why? because we, and it's, it's good to read the Word, right? Sometimes I sit down and I eat, and I don't remember what I ate, but I, I'm, I, st- I needed to eat, okay? But the Word, we have to be careful. It's, it's, it's the challenge of not, we need disciplines and routines. I think there's good to have disciplines of reading the Word every day. Please don't misunderstand me. But it's better to read a chapter a day and glean some things than to read ten and glean nothing. That was something in my throat cough, not... Okay. I feel like I always have to explain that now. All right, so so when you're studying the Word, one of the greatest ways to study the Word is read slower. Okay? How many of you speak English? Oh, good. Okay. Okay, so I, I took English in high school. I hated it. Um, I was like, I already know how to speak this language. I don't know. I have to take the class. But, of course, it was all about punctuation and grammar, right, all that stuff. That's why I hated it. <sighs> Who cares? I'm never going to use this. Well, little did I know I use it all the time reading the Word of God. I, I know most of you... You're sick of hearing me pause every time I point out a colon or a semicolon. But I guarantee you, when you read the Bible now, you pause when you see that and think about that. So praise God, it had some impact. And, and so when we read slow, and again, we're talking about studying the Word. I intentionally pause at commas. I, I intention, right? I want to get, I want to grasp what's being said. And I do it with a notepad beside me and a pencil. Or I just have my Bible. And if you look at some pages in my Bible, you'll see stuff written. And it may not mean anything to anybody else, but it means something to me. It gets me somewhere. Okay? So, Revelation 1 and 1. Let's read slow. Okay? What's the first line say? What's it say? The revelation of Jesus Christ. And I pause right there. And see, most of us, we read past those first two or three verses. Like, oh, that's just the intro stuff anyway. 
especially those Pauline letters. He just says the same thing, grace and mercy and peace be to you. And isn't that terrible that we would just brush that off? And I know we're not brushing it off, but right, our humanity just reads right past it. And so, so part of studying the Word, we've got to slow down. So when, that, that still doesn't mean we're going to understand everything on the first pass. But I'm reading, desiring, Lord, help me to understand. Open my understanding. Now, when you study the Word of God, you should always start with prayer. God, anoint my mind. Help me to understand what you want me to get out of this Word. So the revelation... Now, how many of you, when somewhere in your life, when you heard the book of Revelation, you thought... Oh, man, that's the book where all the bad stuff happens. Right? Revelation is associated with this negativity in our world. I mean, good grief. In the, um, in the RV60, the Reina Valera, uh, in Spanish, right, it's called Apocalypsis. Right? That, that's just really not, you know, the Apocalypse. That has a negative connotation. Revelation's not negative. First line, what does it say? That's what the book is about. Now, you say, man, you really do read slow. We haven't even got past the first line yet. We've been going four minutes. I don't know how long we've been going. But see... We've got to make ourselves slow down. This book of Revelation. Matter of fact, if you look in most of your Bibles, the title of the book says The Revelation. Anybody see that in your Bible, The Revelation? Yeah, so you didn't notice that before, did you? Some of you called it Revelations with an S on it. There ain't no S on the end of that. There's only... (laughs) Because it's The Revelation of who? All right. So... I have that underlined twice in my Bible. So every time I read the book of Revelation, I'm remembering. Everything I'm reading in this book is about revealing Jesus Christ. You with me? Everything in the book, uh, the whole book really, but in this book of Revelation is about revealing Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to see that, well, let's just read. So you're good with this? Now we're studying a little further. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must, what? All right, so he's getting ready. That's, That's the future. And now notice, we're going to pause right here. Notice there's a semicolon shortly come to pass. Continuation of a thought and joins the two thoughts. And he sent and signified it by his angel. So now we have an angel that's come to his servant John. Colon. So now he's going to further define this. Does that make sense? Verse 2. Who bear record of the word of... uh Uh-oh. It all disappeared. Who bear record of the word of God. Pause right there. 
Who's the who talking about when it says who bear record of the word of God? You can look at verse 1. John. Right? His servant John, colon, who bear record of the word of God. So John's the one that bear the record of the word of God. And of the testimony of Jesus Christ. And of what? All things that he saw. Now, so we read two verses. We know revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. This whole book is about revealing Christ. We know that an angel came, a messenger angel came, and brought these words to John. And John bare record of the word of God and the testimony of Christ and of all the things that he saw. Now, Here's what happens to me. I read that second verse, and I'm thinking about John, and I'm thinking about the Word of God, and my scripture immediately goes to John and the Word of God. Hold on. What do you mean John already bear record of the Word of God? So I go over to John chapter 1, verse 1. Okay? And, and I know that. And I have John 1, 1 written in my Bible right there by verse 2 of Revelation 1 and 2. Again, I'm talking about how I study the Word of God. So go to John 1 1. And we see in the beginning. Oh, sorry, get there. In the beginning was what? The word. We're talking about the word of God, right? Verse 2. In the uh, verse 2 of Revelation 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now skip down to verse 14 in that same chapter, John 1 and 14. And the Word, or God, right? The Word was made what? Flesh. God was made flesh. Who is that? It's not a trick question. Who is it? Jesus Christ. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Word of God. The Word was made flesh. John said he bare record of the Word of God. You with me? So I'm like, okay, John bare record. I'm going to go see what John said. John bare record. Okay, now go to 1 John. That's right before the book of Jude and Revelation. You probably only have to turn three or four pages back from Revelation and you'll be in 1 John. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. And watch what John says here. This is the same John, by the way. Watch what he says. That which was from the beginning. You see a pattern? That's what he said in the, other, in the gospel, wasn't it? In the beginning was the word. Here John says, that which was from the beginning... Which we have what? Heard. Which we have seen with our eyes. Which we have looked upon. And our hands have handled. Oh, hold on. This is tangible. I mean, if he would have just said, we've heard, our eyes have seen, we've looked on. But then he said, our hands have handled. He was saying, hey, this, it was tangible. Of the word of life. 
Who's he talking about? Jesus Christ. We all agree, right? You guys are going, this is simple. This is studying the Word of God. And the Word of God, the Word of God supporting itself. Okay, so now we understand when we read Revelation 1 and verse 2, where, or let's read verse 2 right here in this, 1 John 1, 1 and 2. For the life, the word of life, the life was manifested, John 1 and 14, right? The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Here, the life was manifested, and we've seen it, and we bear witness. We show to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested to us. Now, go back to Revelation. Verse 2. Revelation 1 and 2. I'm making Renee work tonight. God bless my brother. Who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Now, I have a question for you. And, and in my Bible right here, I have... John 1, 1, and 1 John 1, 1, written right beside this verse in the edge of my Bible. I'm not telling you you have to do that. I'm just telling you the way I do things so that I rem- it's a way I study. Now, why does that matter for this verse? Again, we're studying the Word of God. Some people would read verse 2 and says, who bear record of the Word of God, and of the testimony of Jesus Christ. Are those two separate things? Is the word of God one, like God's here, and then the testimony of Jesus Christ is... Now, see, we understand what the word of God is because we already went to John 1, 1. And 114, we know the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh, which we know was the Lord Jesus Christ. So when he bare record of the Word of God, he bare record of Jesus Christ. And of, it could just as easy say, and of Christ's testimony. Does that make sense? But if somebody wants to split God into multiple persons, they'll read that real fast and they'll say, well, no, the word of God is the Father, the testimony of Christ, that's the Son. But that's why we go back and Scripture supports Scripture. Does this make sense? Okay. Again, we're in Revelation, but I want us to understand, like I said, we're using them both to study the word of God. Verse 3. Reading slow, what's the first line say? Okay. Right there. Blessed is he that readeth. How many have ever been scared? I've had people say to me, raise your hand if this fits you anywhere along your life journey, not necessarily right now. I'm scared to read the book of Revelation. I've had people tell me that. On, like in this day, I've had people say, I'm scared to read the book. Why? We, we, you see the first line? Scared is he that readeth. That's not what it says, is it? Blessed is he that readeth. I want to read this book. So apparently, see, here's the challenge. If you and I are children of God, filled with the Spirit of God, this book I love. Because it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's Christ revealed to me. 
I'm blessed when I read it. See, it changes my whole perspective reading the book of Revelation. And then everything I read through the book of Revelation, I'm reading with the basis of it's revealing Christ to me. Anybody take composition in school where you had to write like stories and stuff? Nobody? Three of us? Five of us? Some of us? You don't remember? Okay. Uh, Composition. I actually loved composition. Hated English, but I like composition. They said they were sort of connected, but anyway. Um, I love composition. And one of the things was like your opening statement, right? Whatever your opening sentence is, your opening statement has to frame the rest of everything you write. Remember that? Yeah, some of you are like, oh, I did take composition maybe. Um, so we need to understand that when we read Revel- Revelation 1 and 1, that line, the revelation of Jesus Christ. That opening statement tells us about the whole book. All right. So blessed is he that readeth and... So just reading it's not enough. And that hear the words of this prophecy. And keep these things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. See, some people just want to say, man, if I read it, I'm blessed. Ah, that's not it. And, and, and. I'm blessed if I read it. And I hear the words. And I keep the things which are written therein. So if we want to be blessed, we have to do all three. And it's still talking about the revelation. Verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace, and by the way, Asia, we don't have time. You can go to the maps in the back of your Bible. You can look, do some studies. Asia is not Asia like you know it now. When you read Asia here in this scripture, it made up a different part of, John was writing about a different part of the, it encompassed part of that country, but it didn't go all the way up into Whatever, Siberia or whatever that was. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be to you and peace. Sounds an awful lot like Paul writing. Apparently this grace and peace matters. Grace be unto you and peace. We talked about peace on Sunday. Where is grace and peace that he's offering to these people coming from? We're studying, right? So where's it coming from? Grace and peace from? Here, you can read out loud. Grace and peace from? Him which is. Right? Is that what it says? Okay, so which is? We're getting study. English. Ah, I hated English. From him which is. Is that past tense, present tense, or future? I <laughs> Say it one more time. Okay, present tense. So existing now. Grace and peace from him which is now existing. Yes? Okay. And who else? Which was? Past, present, future. Past. And? Past, present, future. Aha. So we got grace and peace. From him that is present, him that was in the past, and him that is in the future. Yes? Left of the Holy Ghost right now. Is that three different people? Are you sure? 
So who is John talking about? Who? Jesus Christ. Grace and peace from him which is, which was, present God, the Lord Jesus Christ, was, Lord Jesus that was, and that is future. Okay? See, this is simple, isn't it? This is a study of the word of God, which is, which was, and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Now, (laughs) we're probably not going to spend a lot of time here tonight because we could do an hour-long Bible study on the seven spirits. We could probably do a four-hour Bible study on the seven spirits. Um, So we have to understand something. What does the number seven mean? Anybody? Completion. Perfect. Okay, perfect. It's whole. It's perfection. It's wholeness. Okay, the number seven uh, is the number of perfection, the number of wholeness. Okay, six. Anybody know what six means? Six is the number of man, right? Seven is the number of wholeness, perfection. Okay, in the Hebrew, every number means something. Okay. Seven is a number of wholeness, of perfection. So we will read about seven spirits through here. They are the one spirit of God. It is a sevenfold cord. All right. Again, we could we could go into a lot of study on this. We're not going to take the time tonight. I probably couldn't. I don't have all the understanding of it. I know God's not split up into seven spirits. Amen. I know that. And so we understand when we see this through the scripture that this seven spirits speaks of the wholeness or the completeness, the fullness of God's spirit. Okay. Verse five. Oh, hold on. Verse four. Past, present, future, which was, which is, which is to come. Who do we say that is? Jesus Christ. And the seven spirits before his throne. Who, who, who's the seven spirits? Is spirit with a capital S? Yes. Okay. That's what I meant to say about it. So that matters, right? English study. Spirits with a capital S. Therefore, it is the spirits of God. With me? So we reckon, again, study. So God, that's why I said God isn't split up into seven spirits. The seven speaks of the fullness and the wholeness of God. All right, and you'll understand this a little further here. But so, him which is and which was and which is to come is Jesus Christ. We agree. The seven spirits are the spirits of God. We agree. Are before his throne. Who's his? See, we read too fast, don't we? Whose throne is it? Is it him which is, him which was, him which is to come? Or is it whose throne is it? Not a trick question. It's the throne of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I mean, it has to be, right? If, if it's him which is, was, and is to come, and we agree that's the Lord Jesus Christ, then it has to be his throne. Yes? Okay. Is this too, is this okay? I, I know we've never done it this way before, but I feel like I want us to see how we read. And, and this is basic reading of Scripture. But sometimes we're like, I don't get it. But if we slow down, we can. His throne, we understand that's possessive. It belongs to somebody. Who's his? His can only be him, which was and is and is to come. And we all agree that's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's his throne. The Spirit of God is before the throne. All right? Now, verse (laughs) 5. First line. Go ahead, read out loud, help me. Okay. This seems almost silly because I know we get it. But I want you, but because we've walked through it the way we have, we understand this. Him which was and is and is to come is the Lord Jesus Christ. When John said, and from Jesus Christ, in verse 5, he's now giving the name of him which was and is and is to come. First line, what is this book about? It's the revelation. So he's revealing himself. In this first chapter, he's revealing himself. For people who may not understand, he's saying, hey, him which is, which is. The word of God, the word of life, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. The spirit of God that moves through the earth, the seven spirits of God, the wholeness, the completeness of the spirit of God that operates through the earth, it's Jesus Christ. The one that will be on the throne, it's Jesus Christ. The name that will be called, it's Jesus Christ. You understand? He's revealing himself. Isn't that a blessing? I don't know what that does for me. It does something in my spirit. I'm telling you, I feel angelic host right now. There's something about the revelation of who he is. And this is the revealing of himself. John's not putting different people here when he's writing this. And what happens is people read this and their minds been twisted and confused by false doctrine. And they go, hold on, him which was and is and is to come and seven spirits and and from Christ. It's all the same. He's revealing himself. Who is the... Faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth. Who's it talking about? This is all Jesus Christ. Period, right? Prince of the kings of the earth, period. So that's the whole thought. And then he goes into another thought. Same vein, but new sentence. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Who did that? See, he's trying to reveal himself to people. The one who's sitting on the throne. Seven spirits of God, the wholeness, the fullness of the spirit of God before the throne. The faithful witness, the begotten of the dead, 
Prince the King. It's the same one that washed us from sins in his own blood. It's the word of God. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 6, or hold on. So, somebody says, well, how do you, hold on, wash this in his own blood. Most people should know that's Jesus Christ, right? That's common knowledge. But it's good to have the word support the word. 2 Corinthians 5. This, and see, I know this because this is written in the side of my Bible here by verse number 5. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. I'm trying to hurry here. Watch what's said here. Therefore, if any man be in whom? Christ. Christ. He is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's amazing. That's wonderful. Thank God. How does that happen? Verse 18. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, colon, semicolon, to wit that God was in Christ. Where was God? Aha. That sort of fits what John said. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to who? God reconciled the world to himself through Jesus Christ. And imputing their trespasses, that's wiping away their trespasses, unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. This is the work of the Spirit of God. And aren't you thankful for that? And hath made us, verse 6 of Revelation 1, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, verse 7. I'm going to move a little quicker for sake of time. Behold, he cometh with clouds. Who's he? You, you got the pattern now, don't you? It's important that we remember who's being revealed. Who's being Behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him. Who pierced him? Roman soldiers pierced him. Who had him pierced? The Jews. Okay. Every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. And amen means it is settled. All right. Because of him, all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Now, verse 8. How many of you have red letter Bibles? How many of you see verse 8 is in red? Who's speaking? Jesus Christ. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord. Which is and which was. Oh, didn't we read that somewhere already? 
See, John referenced it, and then Jesus is speaking, just in case anyone was confused, Jesus is speaking and said, which is and which wasn't, which is to come, the Almighty. The Almighty what? The Almighty God. Notice Almighty is with a capital A. Who's speaking? Jesus. Jesus is the Almighty God. That's what he said. I have a question for you. If someone's almighty, if there's three persons, which one's almighty? I mean, do they split it up, pass it around, share it? How does this work? No, there's only one. He is the Almighty God. And He is simply declaring what we see. A little note in your Bible Isaiah 9 and 6. Right? The fulfillment of prophetic word in Isaiah 9 and 6. And so if you look at Isaiah 9 and 6, it says, For unto us is born this day, or that's not true. I'm in Luke 2. Isaiah 9 and 6. Uh, Unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. Yes? The Mighty God. Not a Mighty God. The Mighty God. The Everlasting Father. The Prince of Peace. Who is this child that's born, this son that's given? It's Jesus Christ. Right? And so we see him declaring, which is to come, the Almighty. All right, so Revelation 1 and 9. You think, man, there's a whole lot of this. I don't get it. Jesus is revealing himself. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see it now, don't you? Why, why are all these verses? Because he's revealing himself. He's trying to reveal himself. I, John, now we know who's talking, who also am your brother, companion in tribulation. I have a question. Companion in tribulation. Is John in the tribulation that's spoken of later in the book of Revelation? No. So this is not that tribulation. All right, he's talking about, important to understand that. I, John, whom also your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Christ, Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos. So now we know where he's right when he's right, where he's at when he's writing this. For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Have we said that somewhere before? See, when we slow down and we read and we... We recognize, hold on, this, I, I just read this. And we see how these things are connected together. And John is trying to make it very clear. I bore record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ. And here I am now. I'm at the Isle of Patmos and I'm writing again. And now I'm writing to reveal him. And what I'm writing is the word of God and it's for the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
what you read in John, what you read in 1 John, I'm still writing the same thing. Jesus is wanting to reveal himself so people know who he is. And so John's life work was given to writing so people would know who God was and see the revelation of the mighty God in Christ Jesus. He's not just being redundant. He's consumed with the Spirit of the Lord directing him to write these things so that people will know who Jesus is. Verse 10, I was in the Spirit, capital S, on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Verse 11, that verse in red in your Bible. Okay, Jesus is speaking, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laos. That's the seven places where the churches are. Isaiah 44 and 6. See, the Old Testament supports the New Testament. Isaiah 44 and 6 says this. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel... And his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. Is that two different people talking? Okay. See, sometimes we see and and we make it two people. That's not rightly dividing the word. Okay. I could show you a verse later in Revelation where it says, that old serpent, the dragon, and Satan. Nobody thinks that's three different. That Satan's all of a sudden distinct in three persons. But we do that to Jesus. Okay? So this is the Old Testament. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. Watch what he said. I am the first and I am the last. And beside me there is no God. Okay. So now go back to Revelation chapter 1, verse number 11. Jesus just said in Revelation 1.11, I am the first and the last. Okay. So clearly, the Lord of hosts, the Lord, the Redeemer, the King of Israel in Isaiah is the same God that manifested himself in the flesh that is the Lord Jesus Christ that is speaking here. Amen? See how when we study Scripture and we look, why? Because it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's trying to reveal himself. Okay? Give me just a few more minutes. Verse 12. I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Verse 13. So you got this picture in your mind? Seven golden candlesticks? Sometimes I draw pictures in my Bible. I didn't hear a bit. Yep. 
Again, slow down, picture it, see it. Try to see what John saw. He said, I saw seven golden candlesticks, and in the middle of the seven candlesticks, there was one like unto the Son of Man. Now, who's the Son of Man? Who? Yeah. Now, how did John know he looked like the Son of Man? We read it in 1 John 1 and 2, 1 and 2 right? Which our eyes have seen, which our hands have handled of the word of life. John had seen him. And so here, here he is. He heard the Lord Jesus Christ speaking. I'm the first and the last. And he turns and he sees seven candlesticks. See, we make Revelation all complicated. We slow down. Okay. He sees seven candlesticks. In the middle of the seven candlesticks, he sees one that looks like the sun. It looks like Jesus Christ is in the middle of the seven candlesticks. And he's clothed. And what's he wearing? He's got a garment all the way down to his feet. See, even Jesus was modest. He had a garment, clothed with a garment down to his feet. And he was girt about the paps with a golden girdle. This is important. Now, we're not going to take the time right now tonight. But I want you to notice. He's clothed with a garment to the foot. He's girt about the paps with a golden girdle. All of these things are descriptors. Verse 14. His head and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were as a flame of fire. Now, who did John say that he looked like? The Son of Man. But he's recognizing there's some different things. I don't think John saw him with eyes like flames of fire when he walked with him by the Sea of Galilee. But he recognized this is the same man. Yes? Okay. Verse 15, and his feet like fine brass, as if they burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. Verse 16, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp, what? Out of his mouth went a sharp. Two-edged sword. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. You can write that inside of your Bible by verse number 16. Hebrews 4 and 12. You got it there? For the, what? Word of God. Have we read that anywhere in Revelation 1? few times right the word of God we read it in John 1 in the beginning was the word the word was with God the word was God the word was made flesh and dwelt among us first John 1 and 1 the word of life which we have handled the word of God Hebrews 4 and 12 for the word of God is quick that word quick what does it mean somebody said fast yeah but that's not what it means here what does quick mean alive alive Right? We'll pause here. There's one verse that says he's the judge of the quick and the dead. Okay, it doesn't mean he's judging the really fast people and the dead people. Okay? Quick is alive. Okay? So the word of God is alive. It's, and it's powerful and it's sharper than what? I just read that somewhere. John saw one like the Son of Man in the midst of the golden candlesticks. And one of the attributes he saw about him, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. 
the word of God. By the way, that word, word, the word, word there in the Greek is rhema, R-H-E-M-A. Okay, the word of God is quick, it's alive. Okay, the spoken word, the uttered word. By the way, 1 Corinthians 1 and 5, I think that's the verse, says that he gives us utterance. It's been stuck in my spirit today. We'll talk about it a different time. But sharper than any two-edged sword. And what does that word of God that's sharper than a two-edged sword do? It pierces to the dividing asunder. It divides the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. And it discerns the thoughts and the intents of the heart. This is why you and I can come into the house of God or sit in the company of someone and share the word of God. And they begin to speak. And it's like, man, I don't know why, but when they were talking about the word, it just seemed like it went right to where I was. And it began to deal with my heart. Maybe, man, I began to feel conviction or I began to weep or something. What is that? Is that? I'll tell you what that is. That's the living word of God. It's quick. It's powerful. It's sharp. It cuts asunder between the soul and the spirit. It's not dealing with the flesh. It's dealing with the soul and the spirit. And it cuts right down into that place. And it discerns the thoughts and the intentions of mine and your heart. That's the word of God. That's the Lord Jesus Christ operative working going forth the word of God. You see that? Revelation 1 and verse 16. He had in his right hand seven stars and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was as the sun shines in his strength. Now I'm just going to tell you. You make a note of all of those different attributes of the Son of Man, of the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst of the candlesticks. And all seven of those, or not all seven of those attributes, all of those, I can't remember how many there are right now. I should have wrote that number in my Bible. All of those different attributes that you see there, they're going to show up again. How many, how many persons made up all those attributes that we just read? One, right? The Son of Man in the midst of the candlesticks. But what's going to happen, we're going to see later in Revelation, that we see these different attributes showing up, speaking to the seven churches that we read about briefly in verse number 11. The seven spirits of God, the fullness, the wholeness of God, what happens is we see these different attributes of God's Spirit Described by John in these verses, we see those different attributes of God speaking to the different churches. And to every church, he doesn't come with the two-edged sword. One, he comes and he's the one whose hair was like wool and eyes of flame of fire. What is it? It's the need of the church. So the Spirit of God ministers to that need. But one God. Okay? Now... We're almost done. There's only three verses right here. We'll finish. We went all the way through chapter one. Verse 17. John's writing. And when I saw him. I fell at his feet. As dead. Now. This does not mean John passed out. I don't believe that for a minute. I'll tell you what I believe it means. I believe John says, I have no words. I don't want to move. 
In his presence, I have no life. I just fall asleep. I believe John did the only thing he could do when he saw him. He fell into a place of worship. The word worship even means to prostrate oneself. I believe that's exactly what happened when it says he fell at his feet as dead, that he fell and prostrated himself in worship before the Lord Jesus Christ. And how beautiful is this? See, when you slow down and you read this, and he laid his, which hand did he lay on him? Why does it matter which hand he laid on him? Does it matter? If it's in the word, it matters. Okay. See, we're reading. So sometimes you just ask questions. Why? And you may not always get an answer. Be like, okay, why the right hand? Why not the left hand? I mean, I'm left-handed. Why the right hand? Okay. Here's why. The right hand signifies authority, empowerment. He laid his right hand on me. All right. And he said to me, listen to his words, in red in your Bibles that have red letter, fear not, I am the first and the last. This is the third time that we've read this in the first chapter in the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we read in Isaiah, there's none beside me. There's none before me. There's none after me. I alone am God. Jesus Christ is speaking and has declared multiple times, I am the first. I am the last. He's trying to reveal himself. Verse 18, Jesus still speaking. I am he that liveth and was dead. Hold on a minute. The first and the last was dead. Well, we understand it was the man, Christ Jesus, who gave his life and died. We know God never died. But we recognize Jesus Christ is revealing himself. This God you... And see, now remember what we read back in verse 11, or not 11, verse uh, 7. How all of kindred, those that pierced him are going to see him. They're going to get the revelation that it's the Messiah. He was the one. God did come like he said. Now for them, that's the latter part of the book. But guess what? It's still the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's just him revealing himself to Israel when they didn't see him revealing himself the first time. Does that make sense? That's why the whole book is the revelation of Jesus Christ. He reveals himself to the world. He reveals himself to Israel that missed it the first time. It's why it's called the second coming when he returns. Not the catching away of the church, not the rapture. We talked about that before. The rapture is not the second coming. This is so important that we understand this. The rapture is not the second coming. Okay, The rapture is him taking the church out of the earth. Okay. The second coming is when he comes and plants his feet on the earth again, and he'll do that on the temple mount. Okay, 
That's the second coming. The reason we know that the catching away of the church, or we use the word rapture, that catching away of the church is not his second coming is because the scripture says that we will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. He's not coming back to the earth. He's going to come to the clouds, and we're going to be caught together to meet him in the air. His second coming to the earth is when he comes back to begin the millennial reign, and he's sent. And well, maybe if Brother Berglund follows what I think he will, then we'll hear about that. On, I really didn't plan all this. It just sort of works out. Thank the Holy. Thank you, Lord. Now, so he's he's revealing. I'm he that liveth was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Last two verses. Verse 19, this is important for the rest of the book, okay? We're studying. Verse 19 is important for the rest of the book. John, Jesus is speaking to him, right? Red letters in your Bible. You're supposed to write some stuff. What's he supposed to write? The things, what? Is that past, present, or future? Past. The things which you've seen and? Things which are, is that present or future? Present. And the things which shall be hereafter. Future. John, I need you to write the things that were, the things that are, and the things that will be. Okay, so I have a question for you. We've just read the first 19 verses of the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. John's writing. Is John writing... Based on what we've read here, is he writing what was, what is, or what's hereafter in this first chapter? (laughs) I would submit to you, John is writing the first chapter is the things which he has seen. Right? Write the things which thou hast seen seen you with me and so everything we see in the first chapter is things that are in the past that he's already seen yes first john 1 1 and 2 again which our eyes have seen our hands have handled of the word of life the word of god that he's that's the things he has seen okay that makes sense Well, what happens is chapters 2 and 3, we're not going to go there tonight, in case you were worried. Chapters 2 and 3 are the things which are. And you'll understand that more as you read and study. Chapters 2 and 3, when John begins to write, are the things that are. Because chapter 2 and 3 of Revelation of Jesus Christ, he writes to the seven churches which are in Asia. Does that make sense? So the things you have seen, he's trying to tell them who Jesus Christ is. He's already seen him. He's handled him. His eyes have beheld him. He's walked with him. He's talked with him. He's got the He's trying to tell them. That's the things he has seen. The things which are is what he's writing to the seven churches, which presently are in Asia when he's writing. That's chapters 2 and 3. And the things which shall be hereafter... Those begin in chapter 4 of Revelation. Now, we know that. Just real quick, if you flip over to chapter 4, 
and you read the very first verse. By the way, chapter 2 and 3 is where you finish all the seven churches, the the churches which are. And then if you read the first verse of chapter 4, after this, after what? After all the things to the seven churches in chapter 2 and 3. After this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither and watch. I will show thee the things which must be when? Hereafter. So you see, revelation of Jesus Christ is broken up into three parts. The book and his desire to reveal himself. What he has seen. And you get that from the first chapter of Revelation, but you can also get it from John, the book of John. And from 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. Those were the things he had seen that he already wrote. The things which are the seven churches in Asia. And we'll look into that. And then hereafter is chapter 4 forward. Okay? Now, last verse. Stand with me. I hope this is, we won't always go this slow. I just think it's important that every one of us understand and recognize, you know what? If I slow down, I can, I can read a scripture and break it down. I may not have all understanding, but guess what? We don't have to get all understanding the moment we sit down. I'm just going to keep digging. If I know there's treasure in a field... I'll just go back and keep digging, right? Just keep digging, keep digging, keep digging. Now, I want us to notice this last verse. Jesus is still speaking, and he's beginning to reveal to John. He's giving him some understanding. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, power, authority, And the seven golden candlesticks. He's going to tell them about those. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Okay. Which seven churches? We read about those up in verse 11, right? And we're going to read about them again when we read chapter 2 and 3. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Important note. We won't go into it for time tonight, but go dig and study. It's pretty much agreed across all that those angels are not like angels in heaven. Those are like pastors, elders of churches. Because of the Greek word that's used there in angels, it's messengers of the seven churches. And if you look at some other things, again, we won't take the time tonight. Uh, And that's why it's important to rightly divide the word. Go in and look and see. Oh, you mean like angels fly down to those churches? No, 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 no. No, these are the messengers most likely like the pastors or maybe the bishops of those seven churches in, that are in Revelation 2 and 3. That's the stars, which would make sense, right? They have the authority. The authority. Now, and what are the seven candlesticks? What are they? Seven churches. 
Okay, I'm going to give you something to chew on when you leave tonight. The seven candlesticks which you saw are the seven churches that we're going to read about in 2 and 3 that we read in verse 11. Where did John see the Son of Man? I turned, and in the midst of the candlesticks, I saw one like unto the Son of Man. And he wrote those three verses that describe the Lord Jesus Christ, and he was in the middle. Of the seven candlesticks. Which are what? Whoo. I don't know what that does for you. He was in the middle. Of the seven churches. The Lord Jesus Christ. Wasn't on the outside looking in. He wasn't up in heaven looking down. He wasn't across the way. He was in the middle. Of the seven churches. I don't know what that does for you, but what that does for me, praise God. He's going to be in his church. Amen. Praise God. If we go no further in Revelation, I would hope and trust that just by going through this first chapter, it would affect how we read Revelation from here forward. Right. So now when you go and you read chapter two and three, you understand, OK, John was talking about that, which was because those churches existed then. Now we glean from that. That doesn't mean it doesn't apply to us any more than chapter one. We would say chapter one doesn't apply to us. We know it does. But we have a context of the time. And we understand everything I'm reading. In this is about Christ revealing himself. He's trying to reveal himself. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Would you thank the Lord with me for revealing himself to us? Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight for the revelation of who you are. You are the mighty God in Christ. Beside you, there is none else. I thank you that you are in the midst of the churches. That you are in the midst of the churches. We worship you, God. We praise you, the living God. We magnify you, the holy God. I pray, open our understanding. Give us a hunger for the word of God. Lead us in the study of the word of God. Let us consume your holy word. In Jesus' name, I pray. In Jesus' name, I pray. We thank you and we praise you, Father. In your name, amen. Here's what I'll say to you. One more thing about studying the word. When you read a phrase and it grips your attention, for example, like we did in the second verse, we took the word of God. And then we went back to John 1 and 1, 1 John 1 and 1. If a phrase gets your attention in a verse, don't think twice about pausing right there. Stop on that phrase. Get a concordance. Do a word search on your phone. And, and study that phrase out. See where it takes you. Let the Lord lead you in your study. Does that make sense? If you're like, man, I don't know what this is, but this two-edged sword, I'm hung up on this a little bit. I'm intrigued by that. 
then type in two-edged sword on the search function on your phone Bible app. And, and, and look and see. And if you're like, man, I don't know how to do that with a Bible app. then I don't know, maybe next week we'll get Bible apps and put them on the screen. And we'll look. I am. I am so consumed with the fact that we must be students of the word of God right now. Not to say I know the word to say I know him. I want to know him. I want to know the author. And the book reveals him. We talked about that last week. Everything in the Old Testament points to him. And so we must learn to study the word of God. And I promise you. How many of you have ever been on Instagram? Seven of us. How many ever been on Facebook? My hand's not up. I've been on it in the past. How many ever been on uh, YouTube? Okay, yeah, yeah. How many ever been on one of those and you're like, oh my goodness, I have been here an hour and a half. What happened? It can happen, can it? Six hours. Oh my goodness, no, I haven't had that happen. Okay. Um, I'm telling you, I promise you, if we will let the Spirit of God touch our hearts and our lives and we will give ourselves to studying the Word of God, I'm going to tell you what happened. You'll be like, oh, my goodness, I have been here for two and a half hours. How did this happen? It will. It'll be like, oh, my goodness. Whatever's a priority we make time for. We need to become students of the Word. Doesn't mean we have to figure it all out. We're not having, trying to have it all figured out. We're just seeking to know Him, to search His Word. Search His Word. Search the Scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Amen? Praise God. And I love it when somebody comes up to me and says, Oh, I got to show you what I. Look at this. Look at, you're not going to believe this. And sometimes I'm like, seen that before and so that's awesome we were in a bible study a few weeks ago and a young man brought something out and i'm like that is beautiful i have never considered that in my life it's the beauty of the word of god dig in the word let's fall in love with the word amen god give us a love for your word baptize us with a love for your word now he's not going to just come and go boom now you have a love for the word here's what's going to happen you're going to open it And you're going to start digging in it. And you're going to start falling in love with the precious book. Amen. God bless you. Greet someone. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.